Welcome to the Science of Sex. I'll never forget the first time I smoked marijuana. It was about 3 p.m. after high school had let out. A few friends and I had taken to the park next door to the high school. It's where all the bad kids would hang out after school. We would smoke cigarettes, talk about our latest teenage crushes, and make fun of one another. You know, usual kid stuff. Strolling through the park, I came upon some old friends of mine that I hadn't seen in a while. They were all standing in a circle. I nudged my way into the circle and I quickly discovered that they were smoking a blunt. One of the guys in the circle was a friend I had known for years. Feeling wild and never passing up the opportunity to try something new, I decided to give it a shot. I took the earthy smelling fire stick up to my lips and inhaled as deeply as possible. Have at it, man. Take more. Whatever you want. So I did. I took several puffs. And then I took several more. I remember thinking to myself, this is a lot like cigarettes. How different can it be? And that's when the world started spinning uncontrollably. After a few minutes, it all became way too much. I bolted, leaving the circle without even saying where I was going. I ran all the way across the park to the bathroom, where I promptly dry heaved for a few hours straight. I was so sick. By the time I left that bathroom, it was starting to get dark out. The very beginnings of sunset were underway. I made my way home and still, I felt sick. I was incredibly nauseous all day long. Needless to say, my first encounter with that strange plant was anything but superb. Skip forward into adulthood and, after working a plethora of odd jobs, I wound up working in politics. A few friends got me various political gigs and it stuck and eventually became a career. From environmental activism to legislation and working for senators, congresspersons, and even whole political parties, I weaved my way through the murky underbelly of professional politics. And with that in mind, first, some disclosures. During my tenure, I would go on to be a part of several teams fighting for marijuana legalization on 10 different occasions across the United States. I worked on Prop 64 in California, the law that legalized marijuana for recreational use. It had been approved for medicinal use in California since the mid-1990s. I also worked the Florida push to legalize medical marijuana twice, once in 2014 that would end up failing, and later again in 2016. I worked to pass marijuana laws in Denver, Colorado, all over Arizona, and a small town called Harupa Valley, California, just outside of Riverside. After California legalized marijuana across the entire state, Harupa Valley decided that they were going to criminalize it anyway. Or at least, they decided that they were going to penalize businesses and disallow them within the city limits. We fought back against that legislation passed by the city council, and we decided that the voters should make that decision, not politicians. I moved on to the push for the legalization of marijuana in Florida recreationally three times, working for three different companies, trying to legalize it for everybody, no matter what the use. Cannabis legalization wasn't the only political cause I cared about, nor was it the majority of my work. 
but I took every opportunity I could to help legalize. I also worked as a volunteer, petitioning to legalize hallucinogenic psilocybin mushrooms in California, but that's a story for another day. I can't tell you how many countless times I would be engaging voters on the marijuana legalization issue and they'd stop and invite me to take a break and smoke with them. Trouble is, I don't smoke marijuana. Not after that first experience. Nonetheless, I've always felt it's my duty to legalize it for the good of those who smoke it simply because it's the right thing to do. I list my marijuana resume so you understand my positions on marijuana and you understand that they aren't whimsical fancies. They're convictions forged in blood, sweat, and labor, working on the front lines of politics, engaging with voters, and dealing with the who's who of the political underworld. It's impossible to talk about marijuana, even regarding sex, without speaking a bit about the politics of it all. I don't believe marijuana should be legal simply because it has endless medicinal properties, I believe it should be legal because it's a relatively benign substance, one that brings people great joy, in addition to its use as a medicine. Usually those against marijuana legalization don't want marijuana to be legal because they don't want other people to have fun. Or they don't know anything about marijuana. You might be the exception to this rule. But in my 10 years of working to legalize marijuana, engaging voters, talking with citizens, talking with politicians, talking with you name it, I've come to the conclusion that the vast majority of people who are against marijuana legalization simply don't want other people having fun. And I refuse to believe that someone should be locked up in a cage with rapists, murderers, and child molesters because they were in possession of a highly benign plant. Though marijuana isn't entirely harmless, and there are some health concerns with marijuana, it's far less destructive than the abundance of legal products in America that we turn a blind eye to every single day. This brings me back to the crux of my belief that people who want marijuana outlawed want it illegal because they don't want other people to have fun. They associate it with certain races and, of course, sexuality. Because of these years of experience, I feel I occupy a unique space to talk about marijuana honestly and without bias. I don't smoke it, but I'm also an activist who's fought for its legalization all over the United States. Okay, now let's talk a bit about marijuana's history. Marijuana has been used since antiquity, and it's been assumed to possess immense potential as a medicine. Since ancient times, humans have known about its potential to stop seizures, helping epileptics. It's been used for pain relief, depression, and much more. And yet, during all of that time, it was barely researched. Even during the chemistry boom of the late 19th century in the 1800s, people largely ignored marijuana while investigating new compounds for medicine, poison, you name it. We came up with morphine and heroin in the late 1800s, but skipped over marijuana. That was until the 1960s. Once peace, love, and the hippie movement brought new attention to lead, everything changed. In the early 1960s, scientists knew next to nothing about this dreamy little plant. Until a young chemist in his 30s at Israel's Weizmann Institute of Science Raphael Mekulam saw a curious gap in the knowledge when he went looking for natural products. The Smithsonian tells Mekulam's story in detail in their article, The Scientific History of Cannabinoids. 
I recommend checking it out. The link is in the description. It was only by a stroke of pure luck that Mechelum was able to study it and discover much of what we know about the plant today. It was illegal at the time, and it just so happened that the administrative head of his research institute knew a local cop pretty well and put the two in touch. They got together and Mechelum pitched the police officer his idea. He wanted to study pot. The officer heard him out and actually agreed allowing him to access the marijuana the police had confiscated from smugglers. He was given a whole five kilos to explore. With that, he was able to determine what THC and CBD were. In addition to that, he made a flurry of other discoveries. The discovery of the chemical composition of cannabis by Mechelum and his colleagues ignited research on the plant, resulting in over 140 active compounds being identified. Additionally, they uncovered the fact that humans have their own natural form of similar chemicals, known as endocannabinoids, cannabinoids that are produced naturally within the body, which influence our mood and our personality. Subsequent advances in science have led to the creation of hundreds of synthetic cannabinoids, which are far more potent than those found in nature. Hold on for a second. Let me back up. I'm sure all of this scientific jargon has some people scratching their heads. First, let's ask the question, what is weed? Let's talk about what marijuana actually is. Marijuana, hash, hemp, cannabis, THC, and CBD are all terms related to cannabis, but they all refer to different aspects of the plant. Here's an explanation of each. Cannabis. Cannabis is the umbrella term for the genus of flower-bearing plants that includes both marijuana and hemp. Although hemp and marijuana are both varieties of cannabis, they are quite different in terms of their level of THC and other cannabinoids. Marijuana is the dried leaves, flowers, stems, and seeds of the cannabis plant. It contains THC, the chemical responsible for the psychoactive effects of marijuana. Hash. Hash is a concentrated cannabis product that is made by compressing the plant's resin glands into a ball. It usually has high levels of THC, but it can also contain other cannabinoids like CBD. THC, delta-9-tetrahydrocannabinol. This is the chemical compound in marijuana that is responsible for the plant's psychoactive effects. THC is generally found in higher concentrations in marijuana than it is in hemp. CBD, cannabidiol. This is the second most abundant cannabinoid and it is largely responsible for the therapeutic effects of cannabis. CBD is found in higher concentrations in hemp than it is in marijuana. So marijuana has higher concentrations of THC, while hemp has higher concentrations of CBD. CBD is not psychoactive and doesn't produce the borderline hallucinogenic effects of THC. Hemp is a variety of the cannabis plant that contains very low levels of THC. Hemp is used to make paper, textiles, rope, food, and other industrial products. Hemp is mostly high in CBD, not THC. Now that we've cleared all this up, a bit more about the history. Cannabis has been used for centuries for a variety of reasons, from suppressing anxiety and pain to spurring appetite and preventing seizures. 
Epidiolex, a cannabis-derived medicine consisting of purified CBD, was approved in 2018 for the treatment of seizures in some patients. Some people, like those with schizophrenia, OCD, Parkinson's disease, and cancer, use cannabis to eliminate their symptoms, or at least significantly reduce them. But what about the people who use it for sex? When it comes to sex, the science is mixed on how marijuana impacts us. This makes sense. There are as many conflicting scientific findings as there are strains of marijuana available to users, each with different compositions of compounds. Marijuana has reported therapeutic effects, but it also has some health risks involved, which are not clearly defined. As I said before, the research is mixed. But the biggest theme cutting across swaths of research seems to be this. For women, marijuana has a mostly positive effect on sexual pleasure, making orgasms more intense and satisfying for many women. However, many men find it more difficult to reach or maintain an erection. First, let's start with the good news. A 2019 study published in the Journal of Sexual Medicine explored how cannabis alters the human sexual experience. They issued a survey to both men and women. Of the participants, 216 people reported using marijuana with sex. Small sample size, I know. The research is only beginning to bud. Almost half of the people who responded to the survey said they used cannabis to change their sexual experience. Most said it was better, either in some ways or in all ways, when using cannabis. Most also said that cannabis increased their desire for sex, their satisfaction with sex, their sensitivity to touch, and the intensity of their orgasms. Additionally, many people reported being able to relax more and they were better able to focus while using cannabis. 28 people had reported having difficulty reaching orgasm without cannabis use. And about half of those people who had trouble reaching orgasm while not using cannabis said that it was easier to orgasm while using cannabis. But only 10 said that the sex was better. Researchers concluded, many participants in our study found that cannabis helped them relax it heightened their sensitivity to touch and increased the intensity of feelings, thus enhancing their sexual experience. While others found cannabis interfered by making them sleepy, less focused, or had no effect on their sexual experience. The same year, another study was performed and published in the journal Sexual Medicine. The survey was issued over the course of a year in a medical practice specializing in gynecology and obstetrics. Patients were asked to fill out a questionnaire after their visit, and the results were kept anonymous. The main focus was how satisfaction and sexual experience, like drive, orgasm, lubrication, and pain during sex, was affected by marijuana use. Out of the 373 participants, 127 said they had used marijuana for their sexual activities. Most reported an increase in sex drive, an improvement in orgasm, and a decrease in pain but there wasn't a change in lubrication. After accounting for race, women had a 2.13 times greater chance of reporting satisfactory orgasms than those who didn't. Additionally, women who frequently used marijuana, regardless of use before sex or not, had a 2.1 times higher chance of reporting satisfactory orgasm than those who didn't. The takeaway here is that for many women, Marijuana seems to increase sexual satisfaction about two times. 
The researchers concluded, marijuana appears to improve satisfaction with orgasm. A better understanding of the role of the endocannabinoid system in women is important because there is a paucity of literature and it could help to lead to the development of treatments for female sexual dysfunction. Yet, for men, the research has shown quite a bit of trouble. In 2011, a team of researchers looked into marijuana's impact on men's sexual health. They looked at existing studies, but found that the results were contradictory and confusing. Recent animal and laboratory studies suggest that cannabis may have some negative effects on erection and other sexual functions in males. They concluded that more research is needed to find out how it affects men in general. A 2019 study further investigated the relationship between marijuana use and erection problems. The review looked at the prevalence of one of those risks, erectile dysfunction, in cannabis users compared to non-users. The results showed that cannabis users have almost four times a greater chance of having erectile dysfunction than non-users. However, more research needs to be done to see if there's a relationship between cannabis use and erectile dysfunction. Aside from the physical side effects, marijuana also appears to have psychological impacts on individual sexual experiences as well. People who use marijuana before sex tend to report increased feelings of relaxation and pleasure, as well as improved sexual confidence for many people. This can lead to better sex, but it can also result in decreased inhibition and risky sexual behaviors. But even this research isn't very concrete. A 2018 study looked at whether marijuana increased sexual risk and whether people's expectations about the effects of marijuana on their sexual behavior had an influence on that behavior. To do this, 126 heterosexual marijuana users were given marijuana or a placebo and then asked to imagine themselves in sexual situations and estimate the likelihood that they would use condoms. The results showed that while marijuana itself did not increase sexual risk, expectations about marijuana and sex did influence decision-making. Men given the placebo assumed that they would be sexually riskier with a new partner, and women expected that they would be sexually riskier with a steady partner. So while marijuana itself didn't increase sexual riskiness, the thought of having sex while high made people more likely to want to engage in risky sex. But, I've got to say, a bulk of the research that's been conducted has been research with extremely small sample sizes. There's also been a ton of selection biases. But the issues we see in men are likely not to be just mere noise, static in the data that will fizzle out as more research is done. Such massive increases in erectile dysfunction are suspect and worth further investigating. The scientific research on the effects of marijuana is inconclusive and hopefully much more research will be done. In the meanwhile, each person knows how they'll react to marijuana, and they should use their better judgment with all of these products becoming more widespread and legal in many more places. Like me. Me? I know I'll be the last guy on earth to touch the stuff, but I'll still continue to fight for everyone else's right to enjoy it.